Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, I talk with Minnesota DFL Representative Rick Nolan about his recent proposal to ban foreign steel imports. Mike Grimm sits down with legendary local sports writer Patrick Royce about his Turkey of the Year column. And Tasha Radel has a record-breaking, heartwarming story about giving this holiday season. But first, Bill Werner takes us inside state officials' decision to allow medical cannabis for patients with intractable pain. Scott, when the legislature passed the bill, they gave the state health commissioner the authority to add to the list of qualifying medical conditions and specify that intractable pain be considered first. So Commissioner Ed Ellinger made the decision and explained the process by which he arrived at it. We conducted 13 public meetings around the state and collected comments online for many, many weeks. In the end, we heard from nearly 500 Minnesotans about their own experiences and perceptions on this issue. More than 90% of those who commented urged us to approve the addition of intractable pain as a qualifying condition. We also established an advisory panel comprised of clinicians and medical providers to look at the issue and the available evidence and then deliver recommendations to me. Last month, a majority of the panel recommended not approving intractable pain for the program. The recommendations reflected a range of views on the topic, as well as the desire for more clinical evidence regarding the potential benefits and risks. It's important to note that even that panel of experts had divergent opinions on the advisability of using cannabis to treat intractable pain. As a physician, I certainly share the legitimate concerns of my medical colleagues that they have expressed about the paucity of information regarding the specific benefits and risks for patients with various conditions and causes of pain. I understand and sympathize with their desire to move cautiously. At the same time, I knew the decision was not just about medicine and objective science, it was also about people. People who have been suffering, many of them for many, many years, without lasting relief from their severe and persistent intractable pain. So in the end, after weighing the available information from all sources, as well as input from everyday citizens around the state, I came to the conclusion the right and compassionate choice was to add intractable pain to the program list of qualifying conditions. Governor Mark Dayton says he fully supports Ellinger's decision. He's qualified to make a medical judgment, and he has, but from a you know, just social compassion standpoint, I think you know, people who are experiencing intractable pain uh, and if they believe this is going to be helpful to them deserve a uh, the chance to, to find out to, through the, the use of the cannabis whether it's going to be successful or not. Medical marijuana advocates are beaming, including Patrick McClellan with Minnesotans for Compassionate Care. I am very happy about this decision. I'm very happy because Minnesota has now made the compassionate decision to help some of the patients within this state um, relieve some of their pain. Now, I've been a patient since day one, and I think that it's great that now patients are also going to have the same opportunity to have the relief that I'm currently having. My pain level has gone down tremendously, and now other patients will have the same opportunity within the state of Minnesota to relieve their pain. Uh, the number of physicians that are in the registry, as it were, uh, so in other words, our potential um, sources for medical cannabis, uh, is still relatively small. Does that concern you at all that it may be difficult for these patients with intractable pain to, to uh, obtain uh, medical cannabis? 
Well, I think the main reason that the number is small currently is because within the law, it says that the physician certifying must be the physician who is treating the certifying condition. So just by that definition, there will be a low number because a basically a family practice doctor will not be giving this. It will be an oncologist, a neurologist, or other doctors that treat those conditions. I think now that pain is added, that number will increase. Um, I don't know if it will increase dramatically right away, but it will definitely increase because now doctors that are not treating diseases like epilepsy, muscular dystrophy, or Crohn's, are going to have the opportunity to get it to their patients. So I think this will help expand it significantly. And McClellan argues there are other conditions for which medical cannabis would be beneficial. The next thing that we need to bring to the state of Minnesota is cannabis for PTSD because I think the research that is being conducted throughout the United States is is showing that. And, and Minnesota has thousands of veterans that are suffering from PTSD, and I think it's very important that they also have access. Even though the state health commissioner made the decision to put intractable pain on the list of qualifying conditions for the state's medical cannabis program, the legislature still has the option of overriding him. We asked State Senator Scott Dibble to assess that possibility. I don't anticipate that any legislators are, are going to really make a credible effort to overturn the decision of the commissioner of health to extend chronic or intractable pain as a qualifying condition for medical cannabis. It won't go into effect, of course, until after the legislature has an opportunity to weigh in. Uh, Someone may introduce a bill to that effect, but I don't sense any uh, support for something like that. We know that we have more people dying from prescription opioid use than we lose in traffic accidents every year. So it makes a lot of sense. It's going to deliver uh, some meaningful relief to people who are suffering and I think it'd be really hard to overcome those arguments. Some advocates who would want to put additional items on the list, and I know that the health commissioner has the option of doing that on an annual basis, but one that's being talked about at this point is PTSD. Do you have any uh, either personal observations on that or sense of uh, uh, the the temperature of of the legislature for something like that? There just isn't the climate, particularly in the House, with the Republicans in control uh, to, to expand the bill as it is now. Um, and on the specific question of PTSD, I think, you know, folks would like to know a little bit more about, uh, uh, you know, what the anecdote is uh, around its usefulness or and or any research that would support that. Um, that being said, you know, maybe this should be the next thing that the commissioner undertakes uh, with a you know, thorough and thoughtful process like he undertook with chronic pain. That's State Senator Scott Dibble. So is it too soon politically to add more conditions to the medical marijuana list? Well, coming months will tell, Scott. Thank you, Bill. More Minnesota Matters after this. Last night we put on an epic light show. Yeah, we did. The crowd loved us. We love the crowd. Wait, but there were only four people out there. Yeah, but did you see their four faces? All eight of their eyes lit up brighter than ours. <sighs> and we're fireflies. Yeah, we are. Hey, that one girl, she looked like she'd never seen glow in the dark like this before. And we invented glow in the dark. Yeah, we invented it. And we're going to be out here every night rocking out our light show at a forest near you. Woo-hoo! So come check us out. Check us out. And bring your kid all ages show. Oh, but uh, don't bring any of those glass jars because they make us kind of nervous. Yeah, and I'm super claustrophobic. Whether you're rocking their world or they're rocking yours, some memories never fade. 
Come alive with the forest. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a forest near you and discover other cool things to do when you go, like fishing, biking, or even camping. Visit discovertheforest.org. See you later. Yeah, see you soon. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. DFL Representative Rick Nolan this week introduced a bill aimed at supporting the state and the nation's steelworkers. The import of foreign steel has resulted in more than 1,700 layoffs on the iron range and could lead to even more. I recently spoke with the congressman about his proposal and what the steel industry means to Minnesota. Well, there's there are two things. One is I'm proposing a moratorium on steel imports. Uh, our steel industry is uh, reeling and on the verge of being devastated if something isn't done um, immediately. Uh, secondly, uh, Senators Klobuchar, Franken, Governor Dayton, the, Venice, the uh, Iron Range uh, state legislative delegation were calling for a meeting uh, with President Obama to uh, utilize Section 201 of the international trade laws to impose uh, a strict uh, and significant uh, tariffs and quotas on uh, imported steel. That is something that George W. Bush did on March 5th of uh, 2002 uh, when the country was in a similar situation, something that Ronald Reagan did uh, back in the uh, early 80s when uh, the uh, mining and steel industry was on the verge of collapse in this country. Why? Well, because um, our, our mining and steel industry is the most efficient, best quality uh, anywhere anywhere in the world. There's been a dramatic uh, increase in consumption of steel uh, in this country, um, but it's all being uh, fed uh, by cheap, inferior quality, subsidized foreign steel. And uh, Presidents uh, Reagan and uh, George W. Bush, a couple of big free traders, had the good judgment, the common sense to step in and save our steel industry before it collapsed. Why? Because it's, it's, it's an integral to our economy uh, up here in the range, but uh, to the entire nation and to our national security. So we're uh, fighting this thing on every level, including uh, opposition to the new Trans-Pacific uh, Partnership Agreement. But um, uh, we feel that we need to fight it on every level. And the best option right now is a moratorium or the president exercising uh, Section 201, which can have the essential uh, effect uh, of a moratorium if he will uh, use that authority to impose uh, the kind of uh, tariffs and quotas that would have that effect. Uh, We have to do something. We have to do it now. And, Congressman, if this goes through, do you have a sense of of how quickly folks and steelworkers who have lost their jobs may be able to get back to work? Well, right now, there's some uh, 1,750 miners up here in Minnesota's Iron Range who have lost their jobs. Uh, Half a dozen um, mining companies and operations have shut down either temporarily or uh, hopefully not, but perhaps uh, permanently. There are many other operations that are on the verge of of coming to the same conclusions. Over 9,000 people just working for U.S. Steel across the country have been put out of work uh, from uh, Texas and Arkansas, you know, all the way up to, uh, you know, Ohio and Illinois and Minnesota, and tens of thousands of other uh, workers in the mining, steel, 
in industrial-related uh, business in, in this country. It is at a crisis stage, and it's in the, uh, the interest of, of our economy and our national security. You cannot have a strong, secure nation without a mining and a steel industry. And the products that uh, they, they, they produce are so critical and essential um, for our national defense, for our transportation, for our communications, um, and our health care, including uh, products that are used in fighting cancer and other health-related issues. So we're, we're, we're uh, and that's why I've reached the dramatic stage of, of introducing the moratorium and why we're calling for a meeting with the president uh, to ask him to utilize Section 201. Ronald Reagan and George Bush did it. Why not get it? So can Barack Obama. Do you anticipate any kind of pushback on a proposal like this that's going to, uh, in theory, help Americans get jobs back? Well, of course there'll be opposition. I mean, the Republicans in Congress support these free trade agreements. Um, the 600 largest corporations in the world support these free trade agreements. Um, the Obama administration has been supporting these uh, free trade agreements. And yet we're very, very close to defeating uh, this TPP. We almost defeated Fast Track. Um, I've been meeting uh, for three years now on a weekly, sometimes uh, you know, two or three times a week, uh, strategizing uh, with uh, a number of other a small group of uh, members of Congress who are trying to defeat this thing. And uh, we're not going to give up. But it's reached the stage now where um, we not only have to defeat uh, this Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement, we need some action right now because in addition to the mining operations that have already been shut down, uh, there are countless others that are on the verge of, of coming to the same conclusion. Uh, and we're on the verge of destroying our mining and steel industry in this country. And that would have a devastating effect not just on our economy, but our ability to protect uh, ourselves and, um, and provide for our national security, not to mention all the other uh, progressive elements that are such an integral part of having a strong and viable uh, mining and steel industry in this country. In the meantime, Governor Dayton has proposed a special session that would in part address extending unemployment benefits to laid off iron range workers. More Minnesota Matters in a minute. Your surgery is over. Oh, it's over? What happened? Hi, Mr. Detweiler. Dr. Newman here. You have a new knee. It went great. You'll be up and around before you know it. And it's all because of you. Uh, what did I do? You were captain of Team Detweiler. You told us everything we needed to know. Your medical history, your allergies and prescription meds. You asked me tons of questions. What your options to surgery might be, what to expect during recovery. You even asked me how many knee replacements I've already done. Huh, I guess I did kind of run the whole operation, didn't I? Mr. Detweiler, we couldn't have done it without you. Patient safety. It takes a team. And patient involvement is key. A public service message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. With more tips at orthoinfo.org slash patient safety. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. 
Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with your mouth full, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What table? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. For the past 38 years, one of the highlights or lowlights of every Thanksgiving for Minnesota sports fans has been reading the annual Turkey of the Year column from veteran sports writer Patrick Royce of the Minneapolis Star Tribune. The column pokes fun at various sports figures, both locally and nationally, for things they've done during the previous calendar year, culminating with the naming of the Turkey of the Year. Last week, Royce took a slightly different approach, naming Death as this year's winner. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm sat down with Royce this week to discuss. Mike, you say Patrick wasn't sure he was doing the right thing, even up through Thanksgiving morning. That's correct, Scott. This year's column was a bit different, and in our conversation, Patrick Royce says there was a reason for the different angle this year. But first, he talks about how he came about the idea of the Turkey of the Year column. Well, the Turkey of the Year goes back to 1978 when I was at the St. Paul paper and I just needed a column for uh, Thanksgiving Day and that was back in my drinking days, so I wanted to go out Thanksgiving <laughs> Eve so I didn't have an idea and I didn't want to have to go to a game, so I, I came up with it and then it created its own monster that I can't get away from. Uh, this year it was, uh, I, I was you know, most people who did this thing every year would write down the list all during the year and keep track of it, but not me. I started <laughs> looking like on Sunday afternoon or Monday and start going through my list and old stuff that we've written through the year and uh, looking for our best candidates. And uh, there's some obvious ones. And I just was overcome with the idea how many guys had died and flip, uh, you know, was a, I, I, I don't, I don't want to pass myself off as a big buddy of flips, but it did have a big impact on me, his death, because, uh, even though he had Hodgkins, it was unexpected and I've known him since he was playing for the Gophers in the seventies. So he's always this kid to me, you know, and, uh. And I wanted to somehow touch on that, and one idea we had was a little in-memoriam thing in the middle of it. I didn't think that worked, so uh, I thought, uh, you know, the more I thought about it, I said, you know, well, death is, you know, Freddie McNeil and Flip and those guys. Uh, Death's had a horrible year around here, and I just ran it past a couple of guys, Johnny Krasinski and Barrero, obviously, the two guys I called and asked and said, is this stupid? Or is this good? You know, is this good or bad? I I, I wasn't really sure of myself on it, but, uh, you know, it's not supposed to be the most serious piece of the year. It was always very satirical, and uh, this time we we threw him a little curveball, and a lot of people liked it. I'd say most of my feedback was pretty positive, which is uh, unusual for that, because usually about 90% of the response is, you should name yourself the turkey, (laughs) which which is fine. Yeah, the um, you, you had a follow up too. You even mentioned in your follow up post on the on your blog that even as 
late as Thursday morning on Thanksgiving. You weren't sure about the idea. Then you got an email. Tell us about yeah, that. They kind of well, uh, sealed the deal uh, for you. I'm named Ruth Thomas. Uh, and I got a bunch of emails on it, most of them uh, kind of uh, saying you impact this impacted me because my mother died in mm-hmm. October. But this uh, was a little different because uh, – uh, the Mike, uh, okay, Das family. Uh, Mike Das apparently uh, loved the column every year, and the family would be driving to a relative's every every Thanksgiving, and he would grab the sports section and not allow anyone else to see it, and then he would do a dramatic reading of the turkey column in the car as his wife drove, and and she said as they were kids, her and her brother went from not caring to being bored to being hungover <laughs> as college students. Sure, sure. Two people who really look forward to it because uh, their dad put so much effort into the the uh, the reading of it, uh, you know, this big dramatic reading. And he would talk about it all day long, the turkey, whether I was right or wrong or whatever. And he died in December, she said, of a, of a very rare cancer. And they were all kind of figuring out, okay, how are we going to do this tradition? And the and the brother is apparently out of town, but they put him on FaceTime, and, and he has a doppelganger voice to his father. Mm. And he did the same kind of reading, and as as the drama of who the turkey was uh, built, uh, they were they were curious as as to uh, you know who was going to be, and then it came up death and it had a big impact on them mm. and, and uh, she said uh, our my family thanks you even though you could not have uh, had any idea so right but it was that was it did that convinced me and uh, that that okay this was good and uh, it also uh, convinced me that people even though in the social media area mike uh, era you get most of the feedback is negative you know comments and twitter's okay but comments that you get in the newspaper, that people do enjoy it. Yeah. Know, that it, that people have enjoyed it through the years. And it, it's always been intended with good fun and satire. And, you know, Louie Nanny's a former winner. Louie and I are buddies, and uh, you know, a lot of guys who are buddies. You're, you're always looking to a twist. I think the best one I ever wrote was uh, one of Brewster's years uh, about this coach that had come in and uh, – all these screw-ups he made and and blah, 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 and then it turned out to be Charlie Weiss of Notre Dame because yeah. the same flaws <laughs> were there with Charlie. And, <laughs> but it worked well because I got a lot of responses to, you know, you had. We, we read it. You were going to give it to Brewster. We thought you were going to give it to Brewster and give it to Charlie Weiss. I'm not always trying to fool people. Some years it's so obvious, you know, right. Red McCombs and uh, Clem had to give it to Clem, and, right. even though I love Clem yeah. in 99 and stuff like that. So sometimes you got to go with the obvious, but if you don't, everybody wanted Adrian Peterson last year, and I, I gave it to 25 years of Timberwolves basketball. Because years earlier, I'd given it to 25 years of Golden Gophers football yeah. uh, when they, they were in their, their their bad period there. So Last thing on the Turkey of the Year column is it's, is it's taken on a life of its own. You mentioned former winners of this, Lou Nanny and others, and Flip as well, uh, yeah, Flip and took Kevin it in good-natured yeah. form. Have you ever had anyone who's never talked to you again or still is ticked off well, about her it? back in 1990, uh, he won it in 1990 because he'd made the big deal about 
taken the less money to sign here and then I had a terrible year and I kind of poked him a little bit and he announced to me in spring training he wasn't going to talk to me all year and they won the World Series that year <laughs> but you know he had a good year but he at the end of the year he was okay but he was see some some don't uh, take it very well I think one of the best was when Mason won it and uh, you know Dick Ames yes uh, Dick uh, tied up a live turkey on his front steps in the morning out at his <laughs> house out in that's pretty so, good so yeah I mean that's the fact that it's uh that it has taken on the life of its own is kind of fun. The, the one thing about it is I, uh, I really, people don't believe this, but I really never take it personally. I mean, if, 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 if I take shots at people, they want to take shots back. Yeah. That's, that's life. That's what you're doing here in this business. And I, I mortal enemies, I, I haven't had too many of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't uh, take it uh, that personally. Mike Lynn was the best. He called me as I had in that uh, follow-up column. He called me the next morning and said, it's about time. What took so long, <laughs> you know? So, you know, so uh, it's, uh, most people take it fairly well. Right. Well, it's... Uh, uh, Bob Nagley didn't take it well. He was ahead of the while. He, he just did... He, all, all he had was accolades, accolades, accolades. The people who've never had to take any heat uh, don't take it too well. Yeah. Well, it's certainly a highlight of the year, and uh, I, th- I thought the the one this year was, was uh, super. Congrats. Thank you, sir. So, Scott, there he is, Patrick Royce, saying, in your face to death. Very good, Mike. Thanks for that report. More Minnesota Matters after this. Technology moves at the speed of innovation, and today, that's lightning fast. So when you get your hands on the latest tech, don't forget to do the right thing with your old devices. Recycle them. The Consumer Electronics Association and its members are making recycling your old tech device as easy as purchasing new ones. Just go to greenergadgets.org, type in your zip code, and you'll instantly find the responsible recycling location closest to your home. You'll also find lots of tips to simplify your recycling, like asking the store where you buy your new TV if they'll haul away your old one. Television sets, video game consoles, smartphones, tablets, they're all recyclable. Don't let them clog up your local landfill. Just visit greenergadgets.org. You're sharp enough to get the latest tech tools into your home. Now be responsible enough to get your old devices to the recycler. That's greenergadgets.org. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. This is the season of giving, and for one Minnesota nonprofit, a recent donation was a record breaker. MNN's Tasha Radel has more. This past weekend, Salvation Army bell ringers at the Cub Foods in Rosemount in the South Metro had no idea what they had collected. A $500,000 check was slid into the red kettle, breaking not only the state record, but the national record as well. To put this in better perspective, a red kettle takes in about $30 an hour on average. Joining me now to talk about this mind-blowing donation is Salvation Army spokeswoman Julie Borgen. Julie, I know the Rosemont couple wants to remain anonymous, but is there 
anything you can tell us. This is a Minnesota couple who have supported the Salvation Army in the past, uh, not in this at this level. However, that check has been deposited in our bank account, and we are just extremely grateful to them. They say that they support the Salvation Army for a variety of reasons. Uh, one of them had a father who was in World War One, who was in the trenches, and remembers the Salvation Army uh, donut lassies. They were called. These were women who were volunteers for the Salvation Army, and they brought the soldiers donuts and coffee and things like that while they were on the front lines, just as sort of a little bit of comfort and a taste of home. And this man remembered that, and it kind of became a family story to talk about how great it was that the Salvation Army supported them in that way, and that led to a family legacy, really, of supporting the Army. Uh, They also say that when they were a young couple, money was very, very tight, and sometimes they actually had to rely on discarded food from the grocery store for their own meals. So now that they're in a different place in their lives and they can give back, they have done so in a very big way, and they're hoping that this encourages other people to give back in the ways that they are able to. And would this be the biggest donation you folks have seen in a red kettle? By far, by far. It's about 20 times uh, bigger than the biggest donation we've ever received before. We have received a $25,000 check before, but again, this is about 20 times that amount. And, you know, where does this put us, uh, I guess, for this season? Are we running right on track? Are we a little behind this year on collections? You know, it is helping us definitely. Uh, Going into the weekend, we were about $500,000 behind where we were at this time last year. So this helps to catch us up. We're currently at about $2.2 million towards our $11.6 million goal. We did fall short last year of our $11.5 million goal. So we're hoping that we don't repeat that again this year. That can put us in the position of having to make cuts and things like that. So, you know, people's donations, their time as volunteer bell ringers are just greatly needed this time of year. But this definitely helps give us a boost and kind of catch us up to where we were at this point last year. Obviously, most of us can't give $500,000 of, you know, out of our own pockets. But even if people can give a dollar or give their time, it all adds up and it really does make a difference to us. To make a donation or sign up to ring the bells at a red kettle, go to SalvationArmyNorth.org. Again, that's SalvationArmyNorth.org. Back to you, Scott. Thanks, Tasha. That's it for this week. Join us again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.